Today's episode is brought to you by Retromania Wrestling. Retromania Wrestling is inspired by the awesome early 90s arcade wrestling action. The roster of this game includes both wrestling legends and stars from today, including Hawk and Animal, The Road Warriors, Tommy Dreamer, reigning NWA champion Nick Aldis, Matt Cardona, and even the Blue World Order. There's a story mode, there's an arcade mode, you can do singles matches, tag matches, six-man tags, eight-man tags, and even the Retro Rumble. Retromania is available now for Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Steam, and iArcade. There's even a Retromania-themed iArcade cabinet. Check them out at RetromaniaWrestling.com and follow them all on social media at RetroSoft Studios, RetromaniaWrestling.com. Who will step up to the ring and face the Road Warriors? Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything from the streets to the peaks db's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes adventurers and creators over the past decade db has designed and developed released and refined the best bags in the market with db's patented hookup system you are able to attach small products to your backpack roller or tote it is very important to have the right luggage and the right bag when you are traveling. There's no doubt about that. We are now teaming up with DB for an exclusive offer to our listeners of 10% off when you purchase by using the code POD10 or going to the link in the show notes. DB, it's time to move on. It's time to get going. That is 10% off using the code POD10 at our link. That is DB, it's time to move on and it's time to get going the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production what's up guys it's the phenomenal aj styles you're listening to the two-man power trip hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz, and with me today is a very special guest all the way from Cairo, Egypt. He is a former WWE superstar and, of course, a former WWC Puerto Rican heavyweight champion, none other than Ricardo Rodriguez. Welcome to the two-man power trip. How are you doing? Uh, thank you very much. As, as you said, yeah, I'm all the way out here in Cairo, Egypt, and uh, it's really hot out here. 
Um, so I'm kind of dealing with that. And the only thing that's having me cool down right now is that little fan. Uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. That's, my, that's it. So that's, that's my little cooling service right now. So what are you doing all the way out there? How'd you, how'd you end up in Cairo, Egypt of all places? Uh, in, in the short, quick little version, um, a couple of years ago, I, I was in India and I opened up a market, uh, the pro wrestling market over there um, via Great Kali. It was his money, but I ran the whole thing, the whole operation uh, over there. And thankfully, it was a big success, um, both WWE and Impact. Uh, after we, I was finished there, went to India, they ran shows. Um, and then I was contacted last October of last year. September, excuse me, September, if I wanted to basically do the same here in, in Cairo, in Egypt, um, to which I came to, uh, I came to, to Egypt in uh, late November, and I've been here since. How's it going? How's like the training, and how's everybody adapting to pro wrestling in Egypt? It's, it's an experience, man. It's, it's, been, it's been a little tougher. Um, there, because of COVID, uh, it has, there's been a lot of restrictions and, and all that stuff, so it has been a, little, a, a slower process. In, in India, I did it in six months, and here it's almost going to be a year. But like I said, COVID and, and other situations that, that came up, um, it became a little slower process. But we're, we're getting there. We're, we have an academy. We have, we have students. Uh, they're coming along. You know, I mean, you can, see the, you can see some of the clips on, on my Instagram. Um, they're coming along. So it's just a matter of time before we can actually fully start running, uh, which hopefully, hopefully we're, we're, we're gunning for October. With that, is there a lot of like wrestling fans? There's a lot of interest in Egypt and wrestling. Oh yeah, never, oh, I'm yeah, not really yeah, familiar yeah, with it being popular. Oh, it's huge over there. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, the WWE is, is huge here. Uh, Impact has, um, excuse me, uh, AEW has a, a small fan, smaller fan base. They don't air Impact here, but the diehard fans know about uh, Impact. Uh, they know about Ring of Honor. They know about uh, AEW. Um, just unfortunately, they the, the more so the mainstream knows more about WWE than they, they would AEW because they don't air AEW here. Um, which hopefully, maybe hopefully down the line it'll it'll be a thing, uh, and then it'll bring more more attention. But but no, there's definitely a huge market to be to be done here in 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 Cairo. And also with with that said, Cairo is kind of like the Hollywood and New York of the media in the Arabic countries here. So like in the U.S., anything that happens. It's either, as far as media goes, it's either L.A. or New York. Um, and that's what Cairo is for all the Arabic countries. So if we can pull something off big here, it'll definitely be a big success all over the Arabic countries around the region. I feel like, man, that's a totally untapped resource, right? In wrestling, oh, it feels huge, like totally huge, untapped. Huge, And there's a lot of money to be made, a lot of business to be made, a lot of stupid amount of money to be made here. So that's kind of what we're hoping to build here. Um, and that's what I've been focusing on for the last almost year now. With that and building up the market, what's like the end game? Is, is it like having somebody come in and create this gigantic promotion? Like what's the end game with really kind of where you're getting started there? What I would like, what I would like was, it would be something similar to what happened in India. Um, and then, and, and this is something I'm very proud of. I'm very proud of what I did over there and not just myself, but all the coaches that came after I did, um, we, we built an independent scene over there now. And, and again, a lot of things got put on hold because of COVID the, the last almost two years now, a uh, year and a half. Um, COVID ruined a lot of things for a lot of plans, myself included. And, but prior to, to COVID, uh, there, there was an independent scene in, in India. And India is a huge, a huge country, a huge country, north to south. 
Um, but there was an independency now. And um, and that's what I'm trying to build here as well, an independency to where, I mean, and I don't know, I don't know if the rumors were true, but we had heard down the grapevine that WWE was interested in maybe doing like, an, uh, and I, again, I don't know if it's true or not, uh, NXT India type of thing, like a performance in India, because that's, there is a huge country and with a huge population. Yep. Um, so, so if that, if, if it was true, if, it, if the rumors were true, that would have been awesome because that would have made me feel good that I was a piece of that. Um, so I'm hoping that, that building something here in, in Cairo and throughout those Arabic countries that it will bring, uh, the market and more so places for the guys to come work, um, in the U S uh, that's, that's what I, I kind of wanted to build because like I said, when I was done with India, both WWE and impact went to India. And that's because of what we built. Um, WWE prior to to the last time that they went, WWE had not been to India in 14 years until we built what we did. Um, and I think the last time WWE came to Egypt was like in 2012, I think. Um, wow. So that's almost 10 years now. So if we can build something here, I know we can bring them back. And I know we can bring eventually AW or even Impact um, or any other companies. So that's kind of what I, I would like to build, uh, uh, like a, a little like, personal empire per se um uh, of places that the guys can come and come to work so they definitely have their eye on you a little bit because they, I, I they like see so. right because they see what you I, I would like to think so i would like to think so um i've, I've talked to ser- several people on both companies and they know what i'm doing um whether or not that influences them in, in the office uh, internally in a big way i don't know but they i know they're watching so I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest to, to build something here for, like I said, for not, not, not just them over there for the guys here too, because there is no other school here. There is no, n- nothing close to anything proper um, in this whole area at all, at all. Uh, I know there's a school in, in Qatar uh, and that's about it. Um, and, and they, they do their monthly, their, their yearly shows. They do like one show a year, I believe. Um, but they bring a bunch of WWE guys or ex WWE guys, ex, uh, you know, those guys, uh, QPW. Um, so that's what I would like to build something for here for, for these guys here to, to have something that they never in their minds ever thought was going to be possible to have a proper academy, to have, you know, be, to be trained and to be showcased and then to eventually stick the big Egyptian flag um, on the map of, of the wrestling world. Were you always wanting to be a trainer? Because that seems like an interesting thing. Obviously, you were a wrestler. You did the, the personal ring announcing for Del Rio and stuff. But the training aspect, that part of it, was that always kind of in, in your repertoire? Um, it, I, I think I just kind of slowly fell into it. Um, I didn't I, I didn't think I was going to be doing this after I left WWE. In my head, after I left WWE, I, I saw myself going to Japan wrestling and then, you know, you know wrestling everywhere. And and I got to do my share, my share of it. I did, but... It, Slowly, and even while I was with WWE, and just like before WWE, I saw I started getting these positions of training other others. Um, even when I was training, uh, excuse me, even when I was wrestling prior to WWE, I was always kind of like used as that guy to, hey, we have this kid that you know he's good, but he needs a little extra oomph, you know, help him out. So I was always kind of put in that position, and even still now, uh, which I don't mind because. And, and this is something that I didn't get at the time because at the time, you know, we're young, we're naive. We're like, oh, man, what the hell? I'm, I'm dropping to this guy or who the hell is he, you know? But then the older I get and the more I realize what that position entails, it's, it's a, a position of trust. That they trust you that, hey, you can help this guy out. You can, you can help him out. 
Um, so again, this is all hindsight because I didn't realize it until much, much later. Um, and I saw that happen in WWE as well, where they trusted you. Hey, we, we can, who can we put this guy that we're trying to build up? Who can we put him with that will make him look good and you know can guide him? Let's put him with Ricardo uh, under the mask or whatever. Um, so I didn't get I didn't I, I didn't get that until much later. But looking at it now, like I I, I value that position. Uh, going into the whole training thing, like I said, I just kind of fell into it and I just started falling in love with that side of it because um, it's kind of like my way of giving back to the business. Um, there is this uh, th I know there's this like old saying as far as like the wrestling goes, like you know before you you leave, you know you put somebody over. Um, and that's like, there's a lot of little traditions that I still like. Like, that's one of them. So this is kind of like my way of giving back, putting somebody over. And for me, it's wrestling. I'm putting wrestling over to other people. Um, so I, and then, and then there's a lot of times where I, I see some of my kids or guys that, that, guys or girls that came to my seminars that I will see them on TV and they did something that I showed them. And I'm like, oh, hey, that's cool. Um, it's a proud little moment. So I'm kind of living by curiosity through them. It's funny because people don't realize it through the years. There's always somebody that was in your role. Uh, Johnny Rods for years, Brooklyn Brawler mm -hmm. for years, Sean Waltman for a period of time. It's like that measuring stick guy who's like, hey, we need this guy to get a little bit of boost or we need this guy to be ready. Like, you know, Ultimate Warriors wrestling uh, uh, brawler. They love Warrior. They want it like, hey, what do you think? What can you help them with? I mean, that's mm -hmm. a really important role that people almost forget through. Yeah, people, yeah. And, 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 and again, and I was guilty of this too before I got to WWE uh, when I was still like, I would think of like, oh, look at this jobber. But then I understand now. I understand it's not a job. It's like these guys are guys that are helping these other folks out. Um, like in WWE when I was there, you would have these guys, and I'm not saying they're jobbers because that's I, I'm not a fan of that word. But um, like you would have, I would I would call them the workhorses. Uh, they're your, your travel, your gold dust, your William Regal, your Heath Slater, your Tyson Kidd. Um, you know those guys that you can always Kurt Hawkins. Um, those guys, you can always, you always knew that if you put them with something, they will take care of them, and they will, you know, make them look good, and they can carry them. Yep. Um, so that's an awesome position to be in. Again, looking back, uh, now that I'm older and I've gone through my 15 years of being in wrestling, uh, it's a cool little spot to be in because it it, will, it entails trust. And it's funny, I was talking to Barry Horowitz a while back, and he liked to call it the carpenter, the carpenter role, which obviously he was the expert at. I mean, yeah, such yeah, a yeah, great yeah. worker, and he would carry guys. But I love that term. He And I know a lot of old school guys call it carpenter, but he specifically said that they were the carpenters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've heard that term, too. I've heard that term before, too. Yeah, I, I call them the workhorses. Yep. So getting back to, like, kind of the beginning of the WWE run, how do they notice you? Obviously, you're in California, probably right. You're on the independent scene. How do they notice you and sign you? Is it something where they they find you and it's like Johnny Ace or Briscoe or something? They're like, "Hey, we want you to come uh, to SPW." No, I actually sort of, sort of, but um, I worked for this. I did a show for this guy named Jesse Hernandez in uh, from San Bernardino. He runs a company named um, EWF Empire Wrestling Federation, and it was the very first time that I ever worked for him. Um, and then after the match, cause I, I had my whole get on my mask and everything, whatever. And then he comes up to me after the match and he's like, Hey, um, WWE's coming to town and like in two months, would you be interested in, in doing a tryout? And, uh, I mean, at the time I wasn't watching WWE much because of my work, um, and I, we didn't have DVR. We didn't have any of that back then. Uh, we would have to record them on video cassette, but I never did. Right. Uh, so 
uh, I never, I didn't watch WWE. Uh, YouTube wasn't really as big of a thing. Internet wasn't that big of a thing uh, as far as like the speed. So, um, so I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. So, so I did the tryout. It was uh, in at the Staples Center um, the day after SummerSlam uh, on Raw. I want to, I want to say August tenth, ninth, of uh, two thousand and ten. And we did like a full formal tryout. Uh, it wasn't like now where they, you go as an extra. We, we did a tryout tryout. Uh, we got in the ring. We did like man in the middle. We were there super early and we were, it was tiring. We were there for a good two, three hours. Um, after this guy named uh, Ty Bailey, who was the, 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 the main scout before, before Kane and Seaman. And I don't know who it is now, but before Kane and Seaman, it was Ty Bailey. And he comes up to me and he's like, hey, um, if, if given the opportunity, would you be interested in moving to Florida? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, like, and he was asking all these questions, but, um, but I had been in wrestling long enough that I've been promised the moon before and nothing ever happens. So, you know, I got used to that. So I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I just, okay, thank you. Um, so we go to catering and then I've told this story before too. Like I used to live on my own at the time. So like I was flat broke. Um, so uh, when I saw catering, I, I went bananas. I went bonkers on it, man. I just went to town on it. And then I got approached by this lady. Um, and I all remember her name was Nancy. I don't remember her last name. Her name was Nancy. And um, she's like, hey, uh, are you available tomorrow for SmackDown in uh, Bakersfield? Uh, I was like, yeah. Uh, she's like, um, do you, have you ever done reunions before? I was like, um, yeah, yeah, sure, which I never have. I've never done reunions before. Um, she's like, do you have a tuxedo? I was like, yeah, sure, which I did. It's like I said, I was flat broke. So I went to the Salvation Army uh, and I bought a cheap little suit and there was a bridal store across the street. Um, and I bought a couple of bow ties. Um, so then I went to Bakersfield. I did the whole tryout thing. They, I, I didn't know who Alberto was at the time. Um, I contacted one of my buddies who was like a super, super like internet, uh, oh, excuse me, wrestling nerd. So I was like, hey, who's this guy? Um, because he was up to date on what was going on, on on WWE. So he had seen the vignettes, whatever I hadn't. So he's like, oh, that's Dos Caras Jr. And then I knew who that was. So then that's when I lost my mind. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Because um, I knew about his dad and his uncle right. and his whole family and whatever. Because uh, I grew up watching Lucha Libre. So uh, so that's when I was like, oh, this is cool. This is awesome. Um, and then I, I did my whole, the, I did the, the, the rehearsal. And then I see Vince coming down the ramp and he's doing his little walk. And then, uh, and then I remember the first thing that popped in my head when I saw him do the little walk. I was like, the waddle is real. His little thing is real. Because uh, he has his little, like, the, you know, the Vince McMahon thing. Obviously, yeah. on TV, it's more exaggerated. On TV, it's yeah. more exaggerated. But uh, but he has that little waddle. Um, and I was like, oh, it's real. So then, um, so I just remember Vince hears me. And then he's like, oh, you know, that was good. But just be more animated. Be more Hispanic. Whatever that means. Um, more yeah, Hispanic, whatever. <laughs> whatever that means. Uh, so then, in my mind, I just remember the AAA announcers uh, from Mexico and how like loud and obnoxious and bigger than life they were whenever they announced. So I just did that, and then um, they liked it. They um, so we we did the we did we did SmackDown, and then we did a, a second taping the following day in Fresno, California, because. Um, the SmackDown crew was going to Europe for the European tour or something. Um, it was the same. It was the same tour that, and I don't know if you remember, um, that the the SmackDown guys got stuck in Europe because of the volcano in Iceland. Um, yeah. So this, yeah. So they got stuck in, in Iceland because of the volcano. 
So uh, because when you come from from Europe to the U.S., you have to go over Iceland. So uh, so yeah, so it was that that it was that tour. Um, so uh, so yeah, so then I did I did the the second day. They they pulled me into the office. They pulled myself, Rusev, Miro, and uh, this guy named Alex Kozlov, who was a big name in Ring of Honor. He was a big name in New Japan, uh, AAA, Simo Lel, um, and who was actually a friend of mine. So uh, and Miro, both Miro and myself, we used to train together before we got to the WWE. We used to train together at Knox Pro in California uh, under Rikishi and Gangrel. So, um, so we all get pulled into the office. We get, we get off, you know, we basically got offered the job like on the spot. So that was really cool. And then that's just kind of how it happened. So I got hired like on the spot per se. Yep. And, um, and I got put on the road right away. Uh, I, Johnny Ace goes, um, actually, no, excuse me, Mark Carano. Mark Carano was the one that talked to me first. He's like, Hey, we're in Boston next week. You know, would you like to go? Like, yeah, <laughs> of course. So, um, so that's how I started. I started on the road first, and then I during that whole process, um, they 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 were they, they had me do the medical, all that stuff, whatever the background, da 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 da. da. And so I was basically in, in, in an extra for like two months before I I got my final. Okay, we're gonna hire you. Uh, yeah, like two three months. I was basically an extra like on the road, um, and uh, and eventually I got my official contract. Like I want to say, like in October, like late September. And then I moved to Florida in October, but because I was already put on the road, I was never at FCW. So I had two contracts basically, um, which I know once once the guys from FCW found out, it didn't sit too well with them. But uh, but yeah, so I, I was on the road. Uh, I was on the road from the beginning. I, I went backwards. I started my my journey backwards, and right. um, and then yeah, I was never at FCW. So. Uh, the very few days that I was there, I was only there for like two days uh, a week. The day we landed, we would have to go check in, and uh, Wednesdays was was promo day. So if when we got there, they were still doing promos, we would have to go do a promo. But half the time, we got there so late um, that they were already done. Um, and then Thursdays, Thursdays they had their TV tapings, FCW. So I was never training really. Um, so, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I got I got picked up. I got picked up on the spot. So when you're doing the FCW thing, do they basically say like, okay, you're the ring announcer? Because I know at one point they were thinking about putting you in the Ascension when it was that big group with uh, Raquel yeah. Diaz and uh, Kenneth Cameron and uh, Tito Colon, like, and obviously Connor. So what was what was the deal there? Because it kind of doesn't fit. No, well, I came up with the Ascension, like I said. Um, oh, you came up with it, okay? Yeah, I came up with the Ascension. So the, the how this came about was so I'm I'm a, I'm a big movie buff, like huge. I love movies, and I don't just watch them. I like I pay attention to them. I, I love to study the characters and all that good stuff, right? Um, so one of my favorite movies was, uh, or it still is, The Devil's Advocate with Pacino and Keanu Reeves, and um, half the times when we got to FCW on a Wednesday. And I never had anything prepared, but I had all these monologues or dialogues in my head from the movies that that was easy for me to so and like burp up, uh, parrot uh, one of the monologues. And then this one day, that was one of them. I, I just went, I did, a, I did a, this little monologue slash dialogue that uh, Pacino does at the end of the movie on with Keanu Reeves, where he's trying to convince him to come onto his side, the devil's side. And and Dusty loved it. Dusty freaking loved it. And he's like, do something with that next week uh, or the next time you hear, you know, follow up on that. So then eventually what I did was I started going up to these individuals, you know, uh, uh, Cameron, uh, uh, Raquel, uh, Epico, 
uh, Connor and uh, 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 Ken. Uh, what what was his name on in this? Thomas Latimer. Thomas Latimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bram, Bram, Bram. Um, so um, so I would go to them individually, and I was playing. There was I would tell them like something positive, and then I would go to the other side. And meanwhile, I'm behind them the whole time. So I would like pop into this ear, this side, and I would tell them something positive. But then I would go onto this side, and I would tell them something like, "Hey, you, but you need me to do that." You know, uh, like I remember, like with with like ethical, uh, I would tell them like, "You come from a very strong family, but you're not them." Your cousin Carlito, you know, was very famous, but he needed an apple. I can be your apple. Uh, same thing with Raquel. I would tell her the same thing, like your your mom, your dad, this and this, but you're not them, you know. So that's kind of how I started playing with them. I wanted to do this whole like mind screwing, mind mind fuck, excuse me, um, uh, type of thing. It's more like a like a subliminal Illuminati type thing. That's what I wanted to do. And then and Dusty Dusty loved it. Uh, the name The Ascension actually came from this guy named Matt Melero because when we were coming up with names, um, I was thinking of something like you know some Phoenix Rising ascending type of thing, and then he comes up he comes up with Ascension. So we liked it. We did a couple of promos together. Dusty loved them, um, and then and then it, we did we did like maybe like a month's worth of TV together, um, and then one day I get to FCW for for the TV because like I said they taped TV on Thursday, so I was I was home. Uh, I get to FCW and then Dusty pulls me aside and then. I'm I'm horrible at his impression, but he just pulls me into the office and he's like, "Ricardo, babe, let me talk to you." So he he pulls me into the office. He's like, uh, I'm, "I'm skip the skip the impression. I suck at him." <laughs> if you he, will. He, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> if you will. But he basically says, "You know, hey, Ricardo, you're out of the ascension." I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck?" Um, he's like, "Yeah, well, you know what? It kind of contradicts your character on TV and this and this." And I understand it sucked, but I get it. Um, and then, uh, and then I remember the very first time that I saw them when they did the rehearsals as vampires. I was so mad. I was so mad. Because uh, I, I, this is when Twilight was going on, um, and, and I was like, I didn't want them to be freaking Twilight. Because uh, I wanted to do more like a subliminal messaging Illuminati type of type of thing, spiritual enlightenment type shit. And. Um, yeah, so then I saw the rehearsals and I was upset. But then when I saw the actual thing, the the uh, the, the promo they did um, with like the graphics and all that stuff, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, as time went on, Raquel, you know, got, uh, got released, um, and then Epico did his own thing. Uh, so we just got left with with Tom and and Connor, um, and they had a hell of a run at first, and then Tom got let go, and then you replaced him with Victor. Which that was probably one of the best things that happened to Victor too, um, and I'm super happy for them. Uh, uh, which to me was actually kind of cool too because it's kind of like a full circle type of thing. Um, in the original NXT, it's NXT season two. I was one of the coaches for for well sub coaches for for Brodus Clay. Yep. Um, and I had a match. My very first match with WWE was um, was against uh, uh, Connor. And I beat Connor. Um, the unfortunate thing, because I was really close, I was really close with Connor, and I still am, um, was that when I get to the back, they tell me, hey, go back out and tell him he's eliminated. And I was like, oh, that sucks, because we knew what it meant. We knew that if, once he got eliminated, they had to go back to SCW. So they're missing out on the, on the, on the payday for the house shows. They're missing out on the payday of TV. Yeah. So they have to go back home. So I was like, oh, don't make me do this. 
So so they like go go go. He's like, ah oh, shit, man. So and I go back out and then I was like, ah oh, blah blah my spiel and then like, oh you're eliminated, you're fired type of thing. And then um, because the guys didn't know who was who was leaving until we they told them. Uh, so then we get to the back and I remember I just hugged them. I was like, dude, I'm so sorry, man. I'm so freaking sorry. I didn't want to do that. I did not want to do that. Um, but. But then we come back, and then he gets involved with the Ascension. And then actually the very first takeover, the very first takeover, it was myself and Callisto um, uh, against uh, the Ascension. And Connor pinched me. Um, and that was one of those cool things, like little like full circle type of things um, that we still every now and then we – like because it, it comes up on our memories on Facebook. So, like, I'll always tag him on it. And we just have a quick little, like, oh, that's, that's cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, they're going to be doing fine. I know they're busy right now with the independence, so I'm, I'm happy for them. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, so anyway, so, yeah, that's how the Ascension came about. So Dusty basically says, all right, it doesn't work, uh, baby. You know, it's not going to work really mm -hmm. for, for your character. So where do you go from there? I know you, you go basically exactly back up to Raw or whatever. Well, no, I was, I was doing both. I was doing oh, both. Oh, so you're I was still doing, doing both. Yeah, okay. I was doing both. Yeah, I was doing both. I was doing both for like two years. Oh, wow. um, okay. Yeah, I was doing both for two years, but like I said, I was never at FCW because their training days were Monday, Tuesday, and sometimes uh, Monday, Tuesday, and sometimes Fridays. Uh, I believe Fridays. So I was never there because I was on the road. Right. Uh, and like I said, I was only home Wednesday and Thursdays, and they were doing promos and TV. So I never went to training. So I was on that deal for like two years until somebody caught. I guess somebody caught it in the office. They're like, "Hey, we're paying <laughs> this guy. We're paying this guy double." <laughs> um yeah why is this guy getting so, two checks yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much um so what they called uh yeah so that's kind of how it, it went down i was like said I, I was i was okay i mean like i said i was at, upset at first because i was like oh man i have an idea and then they took it but like i said how they played it out afterwards i was i was totally cool with like the ascension man the music they had in nxt was awesome uh the whole intro the whole vibe was awesome they were beast in nxt uh, so I'm, I'm happy for them both. So with you and the main roster and being on Raw and SmackDown and everything else, when you're the ring announcer and you're on the main roster, what's, what's like the thought process here? Do you want to be a wrestler or are you comfortable in the role as being Del Rio's personal ring announcer? Well, I was a wrestler before, before I got to WWE. So yes. that was, that was one of those things that it was a hard pill to swallow that it was like, Hey, you're not a wrestler anymore. This is your position. Um, and I've had this chat with other guys who, who were wrestlers and they became refs. I've had the same chat. And so I, I know the frustration of like seeing everybody play and you can't play. Uh, and it sucks, man. It totally sucks. But after a while, you kind of realize your position and, and you find ways to kind of make it work. Uh, I, I got lucky that before Raw and SmackDown, I would always get in the ring and just roll around. I would find either, I would either find like Naomi or like Titus O'Neil or some one of the other guys. Or I would find like an extra that I knew from the Indies, and I was like, "Hey, do you want to get in the ring? Just roll around, because their their cameras are watching. Their, their cameras are always on, so like they're they're watching what we do. So if we if they see us that we're meshing, because somebody's gonna watch us, um, they might they might use you for a dark match or so, something. Um, especially because on Raw, because Raw is live, um, the guys didn't always get a ch the extras didn't always get a chance to get in the ring. They would have to do it on SmackDown. Um, so if I knew one of the guys, I was, Hey, Luke, let's just roll, roll around the ring. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it worked out. And then they got put in dark matches or whatever, or, or on spots on TV. Um, but 
but it, that was that was basically just me just like scratching my itch that I was like, man, I, I want to wrestle. I need to get it out of my system. Because um, like I said, I can't go down to FCW because the days that I'm home, they're not training. Um, so I was just getting the ring before Ron SmackDown because the ring was up. I would just grab one of the guys and then I was I'd be like, let's let's roll around. Um, eventually, enough people saw it that they started they they kind of figured out that hey, I knew how to wrestle that I had a previous bracket in wrestling, so they started putting me in more spots. And but the whole thing was you're not a wrestler. Just remember, you're not a wrestler, so don't 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 wrestle like you're a wrestler. Wrestle like you're just a random Joe Schmo. Right. And then I, I would I would just have to watch like Bobby Heenan sometimes. Um because he was so good at that, like making it look so hokey. Uh but good. Um especially when yeah, when he would take these like ridiculous bumps, they weren't clean bumps, they were just like yeah. they were so good. They were so good. So I would watch him a lot. Um and uh and little by little they, they started putting me in, like I said, in bigger spots and bigger positions, and then eventually they started putting me in dark matches under the mask. Um, and this is how, like I said, that, that trust started to build. They started putting me in dark matches with guys that were coming up from the FCW at the time, FCW and then eventually NXT. They started putting me on the house shows with the mask. They started putting me on the tours with the mask. Um, if there was a guy that was coming back from rehab, uh, from uh, injury, they would, um, they would tell me, hey, go down to FCW like on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday and just kind of roll around with them because they trusted me that I was going to take care of the person. That I wasn't gonna, you know, further aggravate them. Um, so, like I said, it kind of goes into the trusting. But little by little, I started wrestling, not to my potential that I knew that I could do, because I knew what my job was. Um, but I think that's my only regret from being there that I was rarely given that opportunity to that they, they would say, "Hey, just go and be you." Um, right now, we're not worried about you helping this guy. Just go and just give us a match. It happened, just not a lot, not as much as I would have wanted because I, I knew what my job was at the time um that's one of my very few regrets about being there was very rarely was i told just go and wrestle just do your thing um yeah very rarely was that el local or el local yeah 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 el local el local but like i said that was that was more so more so just to kind of help out the other guys and that that actually came up because they needed somebody for Sincara because the, the original one, the one from, from Mexico, Mystico, um, because there weren't a lot of guys that knew how to pace for him. Um, the big difference between between him and somebody like Ray, Ray can do a lot of lucha stuff that he does by himself versus uh, Mystico does a lot of re really cool stuff, but he requires a base. Um, mm, and because cool. I, started, I started Lucha Libre first uh, and then transferred over to the American style, I knew how to do all the basing for it. And um, and Alberto couldn't always be on it because Alberto was busy doing other stuff. You know, he was on the main event. Um, and the, the only other guys were like Epico and Chavo. And then Chavo unfortunately left after a while. Um, so they started putting me with them. So I did an entire tour in Europe with, with Sin Cara. I did a bunch of house shows or uh, Saturday morning slams. I did dark matches with Sin Cara because um, they knew that I could base for him. They, they knew I can make him look good. Um, because I, I know Lucha, right? Uh, so that's how that's how the Ilocal thing happened. Uh, we were we were in where the hell were we? I don't remember where we were, but I always carry. I, I the rule of wrestling is you always carry your gear, so I always carried it. I always just for the weird messed up day that one day they're gonna say, "Hey, you want to wrestle? Are you gonna wrestle?" 
uh, and sure enough, that day did happen. They they go up to me and they're like, "Hey, do you have your wrestling gear?" I was like, "Yeah." Um, they're like, "All right, we're gonna have you against Ankara." I was like, "Oh shit, that's cool." And then I realized I was like, "Ah, fuck, man, I haven't wrestled like in a year." Uh, <laughs> um, but but nah, it it worked out thankfully, and and we we ended up building a relationship after that. Just to rewind, just for a second, because I didn't bring this up, but how did you and Del Rio even get paired together to begin with? It was like I said, it was just that that uh, that lady Nancy that asked me if I wanted to do that ring announcement deal. They were looking for somebody, um, and then they had asked somebody else for for X reason for whatever reason. He said he couldn't make it to uh, the next day. So then this is where Jesse Hernandez comes back into play because Jesse Hernandez was, was there with us. He's the one that got us a tryout. So he's like he points he points to me and he's like, well, he speaks Spanish. And um, and and I'm I'm five eleven, almost six. So for Mexican standards, I'm tall. Um, and uh, and you know, I mean, I was clean cut and whatever. And yep. so then they look at me and they're like, "Oh yeah, we you know we can use him. He's tall." Da 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 da. You know, whatever. So then that's when they came and they approached me. So they were just looking for somebody for Alberto. And originally it was supposed to be just a one time thing, but because Vince liked it so much, that's why they kept bringing me back. And like I said, it was just supposed to be a one time thing, and it became of. For what four year four and a half year deal, um, so that's kind of how it happened. They were just looking for somebody for the battle. What did you think about the chemistry with Del Rio off the bat? Oh, uh, I mean, off the bat, it was it was. I mean, it's like anything else. Like I was being respectful because I knew he. Once I found out who, he, whether I knew who he was or wasn't, like it was so respecting. It was a mutual thing. But especially once I found out who he was and who his family was, that's where like my level of like, <laughs> hello sir, you know, hi sir. Yeah. Um, kind of even testified because like I said, I grew up watching Lucha Libre, so I knew his family and, and I knew who he was now. Um, so at first it was just very cordial, very mutual, respectful. And then we started writing together, um, him, myself and Chavo uh, started writing together. So we started bonding and little by little we started connecting more and then, um, you know, we're both Mexican. So like we shared a lot of like same humor and uh, like stories from back from Mexico and whatever. So we, we bonded over that. Um, a lot of like family traditions and whatever, and um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and and I think that because we were together a lot, that transcended over to TV, and that 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 chemistry that we had in real life moved over to TV. So I would like to think that that our chemistry was very unique to other pairings, and a lot of it had to do because we spent a lot of time together, and we got to learn about each other. Um, yeah, we were basically together like every day that we were on t- uh, on the road. Um, for the only time we separated was really like a TV because he would have to go do promos or something, and I would be in the ring. And then other than that, we were always together. Uh, but I would like to think that 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 same chemistry transcended onto TV. Do you still keep in touch with him today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just talked to him the other day too. Um, uh, yesterday, it was yesterday, yesterday because uh, they just had a show in Vegas. Um, so I just you know sent him a you know good luck. The luck text, whatever. Um, and I just did a show with them in McAllen, Texas, um, uh, uh, like three weeks ago. Uh, so I was in the U.S. for like a month and a half uh, before I came back to Egypt. Um, so I saw him over there. I saw it was him, Andrade, and Carlito on a triple threat. So I was involved in that. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we still talk. How was the house for that show? Just random question because uh, I heard it was-, it was a pretty good house. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. It wasn't full, but I mean, uh, uh, this is where like the internet is so fucking stupid sometimes. Because uh, if you ever get to know about Latinos, Latinos don't 
free buy. We show up. We just show up. Right. Um, I, I know there's a lot of critics that they were going like, oh, there's still like X amount of tickets uh, that haven't been sold. Um, and then all of, I remember like, we, we, I, I mentioned Alberto and we're like, these fuckers. Like these people obviously don't know the Mexican crowd because we don't pre we don't we don't do pre sale we just show right. up uh, that's that's how we are so we don't we rarely worry about like oh we we pre sold we still have to pre sell this many things like nah. we just show up because that that crowd was that that show was catered to the Mexican crowd the Latino crowd and we just show up um, and yeah it was it was a great house man it was it was awesome they were loud they were they were they were hungry for for entertainment after being stuck indoors for a year plus. Uh, so it was, it was a great event. Like the, all the matches were, were great top to bottom. Uh, and then just to see a lot of old friends too, that I hadn't seen in a while because of COVID, uh, just to be back there, to be back in front of a crowd as we just saw last night with punk. Uh, it's, it's unreal, man. And it's something that, that we, we, we strive for. We, we miss it so much. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a great show. Today's episode of the two-man power trip over wrestling is brought to you by Jupiter CBD. Jupiter CBD was specifically created to help people naturally relieve stress and get a better night's sleep. It works better than the rest. What makes Jupiter so special is that it's the only CBD brand handmade from organic hemp flowers. That's what makes Jupiter so effective and tastes so great. Because flowers are the rarest and most valuable part of the plant. Jupiter also triple lab tests for quality and they all come from a single-origin family in Vermont. For more on that, you can go to getjupiter.com slash quality. For a special promo, please go to getjupiter.com to get 10% off your offer today. Just use the promo code 2MAN at checkout. That is getjupiter.com. Use the promo code 2MAN, T-W-O-M-A-N, at checkout, and you'll receive a beautiful 10% off. Say goodbye to stress. Jupiter Organic CBD relaxes your mind and your body. Guaranteed results for your money back. Get Jupiter.com CBD. Use that promo code 2MAN. So Punk, obviously, who you know very well, you watch AEW Rampage. What did you think about that debut? Because rarely do you see a pop, to be honest, that loud and that prolonged for a guy. Yeah. I mean, we're talking like Hulk Hogan, Austin, Road Warriors. I mean, that mm. level of pop where it's extended. I mean, Cena got a great pop at SummerSlam, but that was nothing. I mean, paled in comparison yeah. to what we heard last night. What did you think about that? I... I, I I'm a I like Punk. I've always been I've, I've followed Punk throughout this whole this whole time. I never once turned my back on him. What I found ironic was a lot of the people that shit on him when his UFC stuff was happening are all like kissing his ass right now. Yeah. Um, but as I, I, I was never one of those. I I cheered him on the whole time through, and I was super, legit happy for him to be back. Um, we all heard the rumors. Um, so so we were just kind of like playing that like will he will he not type of game. Uh, I'm glad he came back. That the crowd was amazing, and I, and I think a lot of it has to do too with the fact that we've been stuck indoors for so long, and we 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 need that attention. We need we need that that entertainment. Entertainment is something that you can always give the crowd, and they will always they will always cheer for it. Um, uh, there will never be a short audience for entertainment, and then the crowd was entertained. They 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 got what they wanted. Uh, I'm I'm happy for everybody at AW. I'm happy that they everybody that. That that was there performing that have never been in front of that scenario that got to experience it for the first time it becomes a drug man it becomes such you get so high from that adrenaline um, 
Eddie Guerrero had one of his best best uh, uh, promos about that that being an addict. Uh, and that's still one of my favorite promos when he cut it on Brock Lesnar about being an addict to the crowd, being an addict to uh, to 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 that high, that that rush of being in front of a crowd. And we got to, they got to experience that for the first time yesterday. So it's all because of Punk. It could have happened eventually with somebody else, but it got to it happened yesterday with Punk. Um, so I'm happy for everybody that was there. I'm happy for the crowd that was there because they got to experience something that none of us had experienced in a year and a half. Um, so, so I'm happy for Punk, man. Like I, I've always been cool with him. Uh, we had a short little exchange like two, three months ago that was really awesome. Um, uh, I've, I've watched his movies. So <laughs> I'm happy for him. I'm happy for everything that's happening for him. Do you think him going there makes a, a little bit of competition here? Because you know they're they're kind of coming along. They're they are a major player, no doubt about it, in the game. But yeah, I yeah, think yeah. this makes them a competition to WB. I mean, they sold sixteen thousand tickets last night. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, is there competition in the U.S.? Yes. Um, whether it's a competition globally, globally yet, I don't know yet. Uh, because let's not forget, WWE is a global company. Right. Um, AEW is not as much as as WWE. Will they get there? I hope so. I really hope so. Because uh, I, 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 the, the more the, the wrestling grows, the more opportunities there will be. Um, but but yeah, look, I, I do believe that, that there are competition in the U.S. Yes, of course, easily. Um, but like if you were to say globally right now, I don't know yet. Because like I said, WWE is a global company. Um, and AEW still doesn't have that reach yet. They have the internet fans, yes, that are global. But as far as like the average Joe, they might not know who AW is yet. But hopefully, bringing in a name like uh, you know, like Mark Henry, Big Show, uh, Christian, CM Punk, you know, and eventually if Daniel Bryan does happen, um, yeah, that's gonna bring more attention to the casual fan than they would be for like the more so diehard underground cults following, you know, that AW would have. So I, I I hope so. I hope that they, they do reach that level because it would be nice for everybody involved. It would be nice for us over here on this side too that we're trying to build something here because it'll bring attention to it. What is that's the old saying rising tides rise all ships or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Because like I said, if, if they, if they grow, if AW grows and then WWE grows, uh, then there's going to be a lot of people out here in Egypt that are going to want to be a part of it. And if we are the only ones available to, to give that to them, then it's going to give us more business. So I hope so. With, Going back to like Alberto Del Rio and, and Debbie B for a second, your mm-hmm. run there with him, he's starting to get a bit of a push, obviously, a, a big mm-hmm. push. Do you recognize it with him? I mean, he's 6'5", he's, he's like 255. Yeah. He's got the look, he's got the promo, he's got you, I mean, he's got a great package. Are you seeing like, okay, we're definitely going to be world championship, we're definitely going to be a part of the main event like sooner rather than later? Well, we got put into the main event from the beginning. That's that's a... Uh, it, it, uh, upper upper mid card upper mid card from the beginning we got put with Ray from the start right uh, so that's a that's first of all that's a hell of an honor to begin with because again growing up watching Lucha Libre uh, and then to be a part of you know my first storyline and be with Ray and then get my ass kicked by Ray nightly that yep. was kind of cool um, and then and then they put him it was after I think after that they got Edge involved and then they got Kane involved so the, our first big three Edge Kane Ray so that's a hell of a start. And then it just went uphill from there. Um, he he eventually we did WrestleMania. We did uh, the first year he won the Royal Rumble, um, which was awesome. It was in Boston, uh, and then 
he and then we went to WrestleMania. That was my very first one. That was in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we had like seventy two or seventy six thousand. Um, so yeah, it was it was a pretty cool held the first year for us. Um, it was then I go back to the, the same thing of being that high that rush. Um, eventually, we all know that it's a cycle. Everything in, in life is a cycle. So it, what goes up has to come down. So we were prepared for it in our heads, but when it actually happened, we're like, ah, oh, this kind of sucks. Um, but then eventually we went back right back up. So, so it was still pretty cool. Eventually world champion, obviously a few times over, but when you first win the world title, are you thinking like, okay, this, this is great. Not only for Del Rio, but for you, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, um, what, what, what I, what I, and I, I think they're real for this. Cause I know he had a lot of saying this because when he first won it, they, they were only using him for the media stuff. Uh, they would only take him for the medias in the morning. And then I guess enough people were asking him about, you know, where I was. And then Alberto basically pitched it over to the office. And then they started getting me involved, um, which little on, uh, we, we, it, it worked out because Alberto was still at the time, he, he's fine now, but at the time he was still learning English and he was still having issues with, with some of the translations. Um, and this is where I came in. And then the guy that are, are, I don't know what the proper word is, but we call him our handler. The guy that was with us, uh, our WWE representative that was with us on the media tours, media whatever's. I don't know what the, I don't know what they called our handlers. I don't know. Um, was it Tim White? No, 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 no. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, they started reporting back that you know that I was hoping whenever Alberto would get stuck, I would jump in because again the language. Um, so like I said, eventually Alberto got better, and now he's fine. But uh, but at first he would get stuck on certain things, and this is where I would jump in. And we just kind of compliment each other. And I think also being together for all the freaking time, I knew when he was about to get stuck. So I knew when to jump in without making it awkward. Um, and then he kind of knew when to jump in as well. So it, 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 it meshed really well. And then I think that kind of got back to the office and then they just put it, they started putting on everything with him. So obviously it became you know, more of a financial gain for myself as well. With Del Rio and you, like you said, you spent a lot of time together. Is this one of those things where you're literally riding the roads together, like the planes are together, yeah. the, the drives are together? Well, is that on purpose, like by you guys, well, or is that no, something no. that they make you? Do? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, well, not the flights, because he lived in Fort Lauderdale at the time, and I was in Orlando, uh, Tampa. I was in Tampa, so the flights were different. Uh, but once we once we landed, we once we got our flights, we would coordinate um, what time we landed. You know, so whoever landed first, we'll get the rental car, uh, and then we just kind of go from there. Uh, but yeah, we were always together. They didn't tell us to be together, but we, we just clicked. We just clicked and, uh, we just kind of kept it that way. And then, like I said, for the first year or so travel was with us the whole time. Um, so, so then from there, eventually once in came in, Chin Car started riding with us, uh, uh, and just because of the language and because we knew each other from prior. Uh, so, so it's not like they tell us, but we just kind of figure it out. It's a weird little thing. They don't tell you to do it, but they, you just kind of figure it out. Were you guys big partiers on the road? Are you drinking a lot? Like, you know, you know what I mean? You're having fun on the road. No, I mean, I wouldn't say we were big parties. We had our fun. Yeah, we, we had our fun. But uh, but no, I, at first I wasn't. I, I wasn't into it. Uh, I was I was a good little Christian boy at first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at first. <laughs> um, yeah, eventually you find your time to celebrate, you know, like, Especially when, like, certain, there are certain times where our flights back home was like at five in the morning, and we didn't get out of SmackDown until almost one, so or twelve. 
So we're like, oh, well, I guess we'll just go get some food, find a bar, and then just kind of hang out until we have to go to the airport. There's no point in getting a hotel for two hours. Right. Uh, so that would be like probably the only time we would ever like really party per se. And I, I wouldn't even call it partying. It was like just kind of sit at a bar for, for like two, three hours until we had to go to the airport. Are you guys, you and Del Rio, are you guys big rivers or is maybe him a big river? Or are you a big river? We were, we were, but uh, I don't, I don't want to say any of them yet because uh, until the book comes out many years later, because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Uh, but no, we, we, we still, we still mess around with each other. Well, other folks, more so other folks. Um, but, but we were, we were never one of those like, cause we, we dealt with a lot of folks that, that on the road that they like to dish it out, but they couldn't take it. And we were never like that. None of us were like that. Cause we knew what we we're getting into. If we were messing with you, we were expecting it back. Um, but yeah, no, we used to play a lot of jokes on each other, uh, especially like, they really used to mess with Tony Chimmel a lot. But uh, in the ring, um, I remember there's one. This is actually yeah, I can I can tell this one. We were in um, we were at a live event, and Del Rio gives me a, a rubber glove and it had Vicks inside, and then he's like, "Just put it in your pocket." And I was like, "What the? What, what, what?" He's like, "Just put it in your pocket." He's like, "All right." So uh, he was feeding with Seamus. So we he we we come out first, and then. Right before Chimo announces Seamus, Alberto goes, give me the glove. I was like, okay. So then um, <laughs> uh, I gave Alberto the glove, and he, he takes a, a bit of the vapor of, and he sticks it like under, his, under Chimo's nose as he's announcing. Um, it's innocent little something, but it was just yeah. to kind of mess with Chimo. Uh, <laughs> yep. But, but yeah, no, they, they, we, they, they used to mess with Chimo a lot. Not just us, but everybody. So poor guy. Uh, I, I'm a, surprised he's he never vet, went I'm postal. Sure yeah, I'm sure he never went. I'm I'm surprised he never went postal because uh, everybody used to mess with him. With the ring announcing, though, and, and thinking about it, do they tell you exactly what you're going to say and how to say it, or is that just no. you d- with your character? No, no, no. no. Uh, I think like the the first two three weeks, they, they kind of gave me a script, and it wasn't even a script. It was just kind of like a just put him over. I don't know. Maybe say he's like the greatest in the world or something. Um, and then eventually with time, I was just, I just, because I realized that whoever was watching in the back doesn't know Spanish. So I started, because I remember one day I insulted the crowd and I, there's certain words that for us Spanish speakers, if I say it, it's for us, it's like, ah, oh, you dummy or you idiot. But for somebody, if you translate it word for word for what it is, it's pretty aggressive. Um, but for us Spanish speakers, it's like, oh, you dumbass. Um, but uh, but I, I remember I said something, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. And nobody ever said anything to me. Uh, I, the Spanish speakers on Twitter told me about it, um, but nobody caught it back, you know, backstage. So I was like, huh. So then I tested the waters again the, the following week, and nobody told me anything. So I'm like, I'm sure nobody in the back that's watching knows Spanish because they're not, they're not telling me anything. So then I, eventually I started insulting the crowd and you know, just said nobody said anything uh, in the back. So every week I would just come up with a new insult about the crowd and then I would like put over Alberto and then I would mention his name. But that became my thing. I would always insult the crowd and then say something like Alberto's awesome and then say his name. They didn't catch on to the Spanish ever? No. No. No, which is funny though, because like Alberto said something once and then they they busted him. Uh just once he said one thing uh that was it wasn't even to the camera, he just said something like, I'm your daddy, but like in Spanish. Right. Um, uh, and then he says something afterwards. And then somebody in the back ratted him out. But in my head, I was like, dude, I've said so much worse uh, on TV. And, like, nobody's ever said anything to me. 
whatever. So when I remember when they pull us into off, uh, they pull us aside. We were like, okay, okay, and then we look at each other. We're like, whatever. Um, but yeah, Alberto got busted once. I never did. Where do you get your cadence from? Because it's it's so good, it's so smooth. But it's is it something you practice? Because it rolls, and so many people remember. Like, it goes you back. You know what I mean? Well, it, it, well, first of all, as a Spanish speaker, we know how to roll the R's. So yes. we say that, So that's that's a Spanish thing. And also in, in Arabic, which I'm learning here in Arabic, they, they roll the R too. Um, they have more of a ha to it, but they can roll the R. Um, so that's part of it, it's being a Spanish speaker. And also, I would look at, like I said, I watch movies. I study movies like crazy. Um, and I would just look at, like, people that were pompous. Um, or even, like, I remember somebody told me once, um, like, what makes you mad? Because whatever, some, whatever makes you mad probably makes other people mad. And I remember when we were younger, my sister, whenever we were argue, because my sister always knew that if something ever happened, I would be the one getting my ass kicked, not her. Um, so and she knew that. So she would get me in trouble whenever we argue. She would do something. And then my mom would come out to me and whoop my ass. And then and she would get, you know, get away scot-free. And she would always do this little stupid face that always used to piss me off. She would do like this little – and I fucking hated it. I hated right. it. Yeah. Um, and I hated it. So, like, I started, like, taking back of a lot of stuff that I've seen on TV. And that – I was like, that And I hate it. But I figured if it makes me mad, it'll, I'm sure it'll piss other people off. So I just kind of went into that. But nobody ever told me, like, what to do or what to say. Because like, Alberto was the focus. Uh, and they just kind of let me do my own thing. So when you – like saying up or do they say something like wow we love that like you, you nailed it because i mean you're getting heat for it but it, it does sound great it's like perfect with del rio and his entrance that that originally comes from the from there was a soccer announcer uh, from argentina and he was very famous he even he even transcended to the 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 american pop culture his name was andres cantor andres cantor was uh the the Spanish commentator who we used to, anytime anybody would score a goal, he would do the goal that he was, yep. that was because of him. We've, I'm sure we've all heard it in our lifetime. Um, so his name is Andres Cantor from Argentina. Um, and that's kind of where I got the Alberto thing from, from that. It is great. And like I said, everybody remembers it years later, just like when they say his name, they almost say it like you say it. A lot of they do. Say- I, I still get, I still get it on Twitter. I still get it on Twitter. I see it on, um, if he'll post something, uh, sometimes in like when you click on the post or in the picture, like the, the comments come up, come down, and you can half the time you'll see Alberto. So that's <laughs> still pretty cool. Yeah, still pretty cool. Yeah, I, I love that too because in westling, like it's one of those things where it's like you don't realize how good something is normally until later, until later on, but until later. You, yeah. It, but it's perfect. It's like, wow, that was such a perfect package. And him have his own ring announcer. And the way he said it during his entrance, it just like fit his character so perfectly. He's just like, you know, a, Me- a Mexican aristocrat. He's like, yeah. Know, but he's like this kind of like tough I, guy. I know because yeah. I yeah, and because like I know I know when we first came out, we got it, we got a, a compared to JBL from the beginning. And then um after JBL, we would get compared to like Million Dollar Man with Virgil, but and only because of the money. Um, and you know the car, the limousine, whatever. But I think that the big difference was was the presentation of like the announcement and the fireworks and, or the pyro, um, and just and and, and that the, the the Alberto thing. 
Um, so that's kind of what separated us from from them. Um, did we intend to be like them? No, no, not at all. It's just people found similarities. Uh, it's just like I remember when when like Moxley uh, Ambrose um, started doing his own thing. They were comparing him to Steve Austin. I was like, I don't see it, but okay, because uh, Ambrose is his own thing. Um, so they always compare it to something. They have to. Yeah. Oh, uh, and, and going into that, the one thing that I wish people would stop doing anytime there's a Latino, stop comparing them with Eddie. There is never going to be another Eddie. If another guy with a mask comes out, stop comparing him to Ray. There will never be another Ray. Let them be their own person. True. Well said. Yeah, definitely. I I see that all the time. It's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Or like, oh, they're not as good as Eddie. Well, don't compare them to Eddie. Yeah, don't compare them to Ray. Yeah, don't compare them to Eddie. Don't, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let them do their own thing. So when you're you know moving along, obviously, with Del Rio, he feuds with Big Show, Sheamus, and then a big-time feud with John Cena. You eventually get in the ring, which – you know, you're, I know you're a fan. That's awesome. Bret Hart, Cena versus you and Del Rio. I mean, that's yeah, pretty damn cool. Uh, that 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 was that. We were in. I, I want to. We were either in Edmonton or in Cal. I want to say Calgary. We're in Calgary, and I remember Alberto and I were at the gym, and we get a text from from the office. Uh, well, Alberto gets a text, and then he's like, um, and the text goes, "Hey, tonight it's uh, it's uh, you and Ricardo against John Cena and Bret Hart," and we're like, "Huh." I think they're they're messing with us, um, and then uh, and I think Alberto responded with like really, and we didn't hear anything from the back, so then we're like okay, I, all right, and then like an hour right before we were about to finish, we get another text, and then like no, yeah, that's that's what it is, and I was like oh shit, okay, um, so then um, they didn't say a local, they said Ricardo. I was like, I, what the hell do I wear? Like I don't know, I don't know what to wear, and there was this there was this store, uh, like next to the gym that. Well, it was part of the gym, but it was it, it had like female athletics clothing. Um, so I bought like two or three different types of uh, women's uh, um, tights because women's tights are always colorful. Uh, so to me, I was like, yeah, wrestling, you know. Um, and so I bought a couple of those. And then when I showed it to them, when we got to the arena and then they, they confirmed that that's the match. I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. Um, and first of all, being there with John Cena, that's number one. Um, and then secondly with Bret Hart, which in itself, yeah. and then when they told me, and then when they told me what the finish was, I said, man, this is awesome. As, as a fan, as a fan, you know, this is awesome. And, and I want to say to this day, I think I'm still Bret Hart's last official WWE or last official TV match. I want to say, um, so yeah, there's awesome. that, there's that. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, uh, Bret put him in the sharpshooter afterwards. So like, yeah, like as as a little kid, you know, you're marking out. So so that was it was a cooler experience. Very very cool, and to be in that spot is awesome too, because you know you're going to get a lot of heat, and it's like the perfect kind of uh, perfect. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah, and like I said, it goes back to the whole trust thing. Yeah, they trust you. They they know like, hey, this guy's not going to hurt Bret Hart in the ring, mm -hmm. which is yeah. the most important. I mean, that's paramount. Of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, of course. There was also a crazy incident with you. I think it was TLC. I think it was against Punk. You take a crazy bump. Is that right? Was that? <laughs> yeah. It was uh, TLC 2012 in Baltimore, Maryland. I remember that one. Um, they actually told me about it before the show. And I was like, okay, I've never done it, but sure, I'll fuck it. Because um, I've been in positions before where um, in my head, I was like, I can do it. 
I can do it because I know once I'm once I'm there and in the moment I can't I can't bitch out, so uh, I'll just do it. But then they're like, no, we have to do it in rehearsal. So they had me doing rehearsal, um, and they put the crash pad on the outside, and so they made me climb up that thing. And then um, for for whatever reason, Edge was there, Edge and Christian were there because um, I know they well Christian was so hot. I, Christian was so hired, I think. Um, but Edge was there, and then they see me up there and then they, they they come up to him they're like they're like um hey whatever you do do not jump just write the ladder just write the ladder do not jump off the ladder because if you jump you're gonna kick the ladder from under you and i was like okay okay yeah sure so sure enough i go the very first attempt what does my dumbass do i jumped what does the ladder do it goes out from under me um so i come crashing down on the on the ropes on the ropes like my legs catch the ropes and i just go tumbling down like a like a freaking little tumbleweed and I landed between the ring and the pad. I landed right in the little spot where there's nothing. Um, so then Michael, I think it was Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes, you know, because he was a producer. He's like, oh, no, no, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. Let's scratch the idea. And then at this point, I was like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Fine. I, I, I want to do it again. I want Let me do it again. So then they made me do it a couple more times. And then I, you know, I, I learned my lesson the first time. Don't jump. Just write it. Um, because the first time kind of hurt. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first time hurt. <laughs> so don't do that again. Uh, and then eventually once the match happens, uh, I remember right before we went out, I was so nervous. And I and I told Punk and I told Miz, I was like, I know you guys know this. I know you guys have done this before, but this is just for me. Just slowly tip it over. And they're like, no, we got you. We got you. Uh, so sure enough, uh, we do the spot. Um, I missed the first ladder because there were two ladders uh, next to each other. And I missed the first one. And my knee clipped the first ladder, and the bump itself didn't hurt. What hurt for like two weeks was that little clip on my knee, because my knee was bruised for like two, uh, like two three weeks. Um, so like walking hurt, sitting down hurt. Uh, anytime I, I was trying to fall asleep, would hurt because I would like roll over on my knee. Um, so that sucked. But but yeah, it was a cooler experience, and then I I want to say it was one of the better moments of that night for for the pay per view. Definitely. Any other like bad injuries in, in your career? Uh, concussions, uh, concussions. Um, you can't really tell, but I just, this, this, oh, this, yeah. this, well, hold on. Yeah. Look yeah at that's that. broken. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's broken. Um, I broke it in a match and then I popped it back in. This is in India. Um, so this is, it's dead. I don't feel anything. Um, and that's as far as it goes. Damn. Yeah. Um, dislocated jaw, broken ribs, uh, broken ankles, surgery on my knee. The the toughest one of the concussions. That's easy. The number one thing is concussion. So, and this is something that like, I wish more guys would realize. Because um, I was stupid and naive when I was younger. When I was on in the Indies, man, I was so worried about the the gifs. I was so worried about the clips. I was so worried about the highlights uh, that I was doing stupid stuff. That I look back now, I'm like, why, why? Uh, uh, these some of these younger guys, they're not gonna get to realize it until they're older. And I wish, I, I wish they would listen to some of the older guys, um, because the kids now are so defensive. Anytime you tell them, hey, you know, be smart. Don't. Why was not the best idea to do that? And they're like, oh, you know, what do you know, old timer? You can't do it anymore. It's like I can, but I'm smarter. I don't. I don't. First of all, I don't need to. Um, and then secondly, it's like you're gonna regret it when you're older, man. Um, I know in, in 10 years, 15 years, uh, if I'm still around, man, like I'm going to be in so much pain. Uh, if I'm in pain now at 35, I can only imagine at 45, 50. 
um, just because I, I didn't take care of myself. I didn't take care of my body. I, I, um, I was doing everything for that stupid little clip on the, on, on Twitter or, or on Facebook or at the time, MySpace. Um, that's what I was working for. Um, I wasn't working for, I wasn't working for the match. I was working for that stupid clip. Um, then, and then I'm, I mean, we're not trying to bull guard. We're not trying to gatekeep, you know, like what you guys do is like, we're just telling you be wise, don't do stupid shit. Uh, you're going to regret it when you're older. So going back to Del Rio, what is leading to when you guys actually break up? Because it seemed like the perfect pairing, seemed like a great run you guys were running. I know obviously you have the, the crazy Jack Swagger feud with Zeb Coulter, and, and as you're moving along, you're even feuding with Santino Morella. But what? why the breakup with ADR? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Your guess no is reason? As good as mine. They, uh, I, I came back from a suspension, uh, and then that same day, they're, they're just like, oh. Uh, this is what's happening today. And we're like, okay, all right. What was the suspension for? Was it a, a they, weed? They thing? had told me it was, it was a substance thing, but like, I, I, what they were accusing me, I was like, no fucking way, because they were they they were on my ass about dropping weight. That I was taking so many different types of stuff to try and drop weight. Um, that when I got tested, they, they told me there was something. I was like, oh fuck, and I gave them all the all the stuff that I that I was taking. Um, and they never gave me the results. That's that's the thing that really like infuriates me. They never gave me the results of what they found. Uh, so what? I don't know. Uh, when I gave when I gave them the list of the stuff that I was taking, they never gave me the results back. Oh wow! So whatever. Um, what's it called? Uh, but yeah. So when we came back to TV, it was just they're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna be doing this." And like, okay, all right. <laughs> But isn't that weird though? They don't give you like a reason. They just, oh, we're gonna break up this this great duo yeah. uh, that yeah. was doing so well for us for no reason because it actually ended up hurting Del Rio too because it really hurt his package and and his presentation the way he was pr- uh, presented on TV. Yeah, um, I, I, it would have been nice to know that they had something in mind for him. Um, at the time, I was I was upset. But I had stuff backstage that I was I was doing, so I was I knew I was gonna be busy still, even if it wasn't gonna be on on camera. I was still doing stuff behind the scenes, agent, um, unofficially. But I was also helping out with the tryouts. Uh, I was helping out with the extras. It was myself and William Regal. So and that was that was something that I wanted to, because I started falling in love with the the coaching side of, of things, um, and they started tra- uh, trusting me with a lot of that stuff too. So like if for whatever reason. Uh, Regal wasn't there because he was in Orlando or whatever. He got sick, whatever. He he wasn't there that week. Uh, they would automatically go and tell me, "Hey, go take Regal's spot," you know, and and whatever until Arn or Scott Armstrong get there. Just you know, start start them up. So I was like, "Cool, that's awesome. It's a cool little spot to be in." Yeah. Uh, like I said, until like Arn or Scott Armstrong or you know John Cone would come in, uh, or even or Jimmy Noble, uh, once they were out of their meeting. So so I was like, "Cool." I, so I knew that at least I was still going to be busy. Um, and I had been with, with Regal every, almost every time that the extras were there. So I, I knew his, his speech. I knew like what he would always tell the, the, the extras. So I knew what to say to the, the guys that were coming in. Um, but, and here's the thing, like the office was telling me to do it. It wasn't like I would do it by myself. The office was telling me to do it. Um, so then when I started getting like little bittering backlash from certain people, uh, I'm like, 
what what the hell are you barking at me for? Like they're the ones that told me to do it. Um, so that well, whatever. It is where it is. <laughs> uh, that eventually led up to a lot of frustrations and 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 just me asking to to release me because I wasn't happy after a while and I wasn't doing anything and yeah, I was just kind of fed up. Yeah, with you kind of had a little feud with Del Rio, which which yeah. is kind of just odd, and like RVD mixed in there as well. It was a weird. Yeah. Time. That was that was weird. I remember we were at, I want to say Anaheim, California, and myself and Alberto and uh, Pimo and Epico, we were all sitting by the bleachers. And then Molenko comes up to us, and then um, he's like, "Hey, did, did they did they tell you what's happening?" And I was like, "No, sir." Uh, he's like, "You're with RVD today," and I was like, "Okay, okay." Yeah. And weird. if, if okay. you don't, yeah, if if you don't know if you don't know Molenko, he has his this weird sense of humor that you don't know if he's joking or, yeah, or not. Yeah, he'll tell you yep. something and then he'll just kind of like walk away and then he'll come back later and tell, Oh, by the way, I was just kidding. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, I remember there were certain times where like, uh, there, I would go to him and then, uh, uh, like in, in different, different times. And I'll be like, yeah, Hey, you know, sir, you know, do you know what's happening today? You're like, Oh yeah, man, you screwed up and you're, you're in hot water. And then he walk away and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so then, so then, eventually, I would kind of like follow him like a little puppy, and then he would tell me like, "No, I'm just kidding." Um, so then I was like, "Dude, don't play with my heart like that." <laughs> um, but like, he, he had that, he had that like that, that dry sense of humor. But but like, you know, it just kind of like, yeah. So when he told us about RVD, I, I just did, I didn't know if he was joking or not. Um, and then eventually, he gave me he gave me like the actual like rundown, and I was like, "Oh, okay, um, that's weird, but okay." Uh, and then he told me that I was going to be interrupting Alberto and then doing this promo thing and then introducing RVD. And I was like, okay. Um, and at first I was just happy to be back on TV because at that point I had been off TV for like a month and a half or so, two months, month and a half, I think. So I was just happy to be back on TV. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and then eventually I went up to, to Malenko and I asked him, I was like, Hey, sir, you know, I don't mean to you know be ungrateful or whatever, but like, I'm very thankful, but why am I with RVD? Like, just so I kind of get an idea of you know, how to go about this, because I don't know how to go about this. I can't do with him what I did with Alberto. Right. So, like, what's the reasoning so I can? Mm. And then he he basically told me he's like they, they kind of need a bridge between Alberto and RVD for the title, uh, and I was a bridge. I was that connection between them for the title. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, so it's short term. Um, so I was like, okay, that's cool. Now now I have. Uh, now I have some kind of clarity in, in my head of why, uh, and then just kind of just kind of went from there. But yeah, it was totally weird for me at first too. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to anybody. I guess making it making it a bridge with that feud, but really, it doesn't make sense. So yeah. Why did you ask for the release? What was going on? You just were done, um, just sick of it. I, it kind of goes into what Punk said uh, yesterday about, um, and I'm not sure when this is airing. So on Friday night. Um, <laughs> Uh, what he said about like you know you can't stay in the in the place that that made you sick you know you can't be happy at a place that oh you know you know you know that line um, you can uh, never get it. well in a place that makes you right. sick yeah 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 so that was that was basically it because I had been off TV I was thankful that I was doing like the Spanish commentary but that was like once a month that was just at the pay per views I was doing stuff um, uh, on Raw and SmackDown on the Spanish side to to like the backstage promos. But, um, but that took me away from like the, the, the tryout things, the, the extras. And, and I would try to finish these things as fast as I can so I can go do the extras. Um, 
but then eventually they kind of totally relieved me of, of that side of things. Uh, and I was like, ah, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll try and focus on, on the, on the, uh, backstage Spanish stuff, but I wasn't happy doing it. Um, I'm not going to say I wasn't thankful because at least I was still having, I still had something, but I wasn't happy doing them. Uh, I started getting bitter. I started getting upset. I started like, there was a lot of issues with money um, that I begged the office to help me out with uh, to fix some of the stuff that, because there was a lot of stuff that wasn't consistent. And I, and I would go to the office and I was like, hey, can you help me out with this? Because this doesn't look right. Uh, can you help me fix this? And then this took almost like six months. And it, I'm not saying it was like one check. It was a big one. It was a big video game check. That I was like, this is not correct. Um, and uh and there's also like the pay system that, that we had at first because they have two different, and I don't know if it's still the same, but they had two different pay systems where either you get paid weekly for every single little thing that you do, or you get paid your, your weekly salary and then anything extra gets put into a piggy bank that you get at the end of the year. Um, so I was on the, on the first one, I was on the first one where like I get paid for every little thing that I do. Um, because like I said, at first, when I first started with Alberto, we were on everything. Um, so my weekly check would have been more than my salary. So, so I was on that. And then when they took me off TV, my salary was, was more than what I was getting. So, but I was on, because I was on the other pay system, I was telling the office, I was like, Hey man, can you put me back on the other pay scale? So at least I can break even. Cause at this point, um, you know, what I'm paying for my hotels, my cars, my, my, you know, on the road expenses, um, I'm only taking home a couple hundred bucks. Um, right. and it's not, it's not, you know, it's not enough. Can you put me back on the other pay scale? And fuck, man, it took me six, seven months of constantly. Because at first they told me, it was like, oh, well, you know, WrestleMania is coming up. Can we talk about it after WrestleMania? I was like, yeah, yeah okay, fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll suck it up for now. I still have, you know, I, I'm fine. And then after WrestleMania, I'm like, hey, uh, Corano, <laughs> what's up, man? And like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about it next week. Next week comes along. X, da, 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 da. Eventually, after a while, I was like, hey, man, listen, like, I, I, I don't. I'm trying to be, you know, cordial here. I'm trying to be respectful, but it's been almost six, seven months now. What the fuck? Because, right. um, uh, what I'm making now versus what my salary is, it's not adding up. And um, and and like I said, there was a big issue with uh, the video game check because this is around the time I believe when like THQ went under, and a whole bunch of us got screwed out of like the 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 um, video game check royally. Royalties, yeah. Um, yeah. We got screwed royally out of out of the video game check because THQ went under, and uh, so there was a lot of issues with that. And then there was like a lot of issues with like me constantly trying to get attention of the writers because I would constantly try and pitch ideas, but they wouldn't give me the time of day. Or um, uh, and this is something that I hated at the time, man, because like when they they use you, they love you, but when they don't use you, like you just kind of get kicked to the side, and and they, it, it feels horrible, man. It fucking feels horrible. Um, so I was constantly trying to get the attention of the writers. I was constantly trying to get the attention of the office. Um, and I, and then with time, I just grew bitter. I grew upset. I grew angry. I hated everything. I hated going to work. And then, um, basically one day I just didn't get, I just didn't go to the airport. I fell asleep. I woke up on a Monday, like around 10 o'clock in the morning. I called Mark Carano and I was like, Hey man, uh, I think I'm done. I just want to say thank you, but, uh, I think I'm done. And they're like, uh, Corona was like, uh, well, where are you? He's like, I'm still at home, man. I just, I didn't get on the flight. Um, uh, I, and I told him, I was like, I've tried to talk to you guys for, for X amount of months. I've tried to talk to you directly. Uh, I can't get a hold of anybody's ear. Um, you know, and then this whole money situation is not, it's not 
you know, it's, I guess, frustrating. And then, uh, but I just want to say thank you, but I think I'm done. And then he's like, uh, well, you know what? Let me stay home. Let me talk to Paul. Let me talk to Vince and I'll get back to you. I was like, all right. So then I didn't hear anything back from him until Wednesday. It was like Wednesday, five o'clock in the afternoon. And then uh, he's like, um, hey, I just talked to Paul. I talked to Vince. They're going to grant you release. Um, he gives me this whole spiel of like, you're always welcome. Da, da, da. And I was like, oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm thankful. And thank you to them. And, you know, thank you. And no more than five minutes after that happened, uh, that, that, that WWE tweet of, we wish him well in his future endeavors. No more than five minutes after we hung up. What's up? <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, that, they're quick. Um, but, but yeah, man, I was just angry. I hated everything. I was bitter. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't, I couldn't get a hold of anybody to, like, from the office. Um, without having to cuss a ruckus because <laughs> I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to like cuss some sort of a ruckus, but I was, I was just frustrated and nobody gave me the time of day. Uh, so that's when I was like, thanks, but I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Um, yeah. Were you happy with that decision looking back? Like, man, so happy to get out of there. Yes. And no, yes. And, uh, uh yes, I'm happy because I, I had like this whole big weight taken off my shoulders. I was, I was free to do what I wanted. Um, uh, I, I'm thankful for I'm thankful for what WWE did for me during that time. I'm thankful for what they made out of my name because if it wasn't for for that, I wouldn't be doing this right now here in Cairo. Uh, I know if if um, if it wasn't for that WWE under my resume, uh, India would never have happened. This wouldn't have happened. A lot of things wouldn't have happened. Um, so for that, I am thankful. I am thankful. Um, uh, I, I am thankful that I, I did that that choice uh, because I got to experience all this other stuff. I got to experience, you know, India, Australia, England, Germany, uh, uh, Egypt. Um, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, what I do miss is the traveling. Um, and I didn't re- realize I was going to miss it this much. The weekly travel, uh, the paycheck. <laughs> I missed the paycheck. <laughs> um, but... But just you know, just being in front of a crowd, I I, I miss that so goddamn much. Uh, I, I miss going to the arenas. I I, I miss you know, uh, standing in front of the, in the middle of that ring with everybody around, and then like the the the, the camera guy going go you're you're up. Um, so I miss that. Uh, I miss I miss the fans. I miss that aspect of, of being with WWE. Um, as 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 much as I I complained about like the travel because it was brutal. As much as I complained about it, I miss it. Um, I'm doing my own traveling now, but it's you know it's, it's every six months or so I go somewhere else uh, versus weekly. So as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish here. I know obviously WWE, you wrestled, you wrestled in the Indies, you wrestled in Puerto Rico, you wrestled for AAA in Mexico. I mean, you did a, a bunch of different things. Would you have some favorite matches or just some favorite opponents, guys, that stick out above the others? Because I know the Bret Hart match is yeah, <laughs> is yeah. great yeah, too. Yeah, but... yeah, that, that, yeah. Um, I mean, outside of WWE, yeah, like I've I've had a lot of great opponents, uh, and and then the fun thing about it is like they're not like big names, and that to me is what like there's so many talented individuals out there that are so good and so talented, and then they just they've never had that recognition. In, in Southern California, I've had amazing feuds with guys named Soka Crazy, guys named Ricky Mandel, LTP, uh, Dr- uh, Drill Diaz, um, Tyler Bateman, who's in Ring of Honor right now. 
um, the Young Bucks, I wrestled the Young Bucks countless times on the Indies before, you know, we went to, you know, before they went to Impact, before I went to WWE. Um, uh, there's so many guys, man. Like, I've had the privilege. This guy named uh, Cloudy from Chikara. Um, this guy, uh, Aaron Epic in Florida. Uh, Stevie Douglas in Germany. Lazio Fee from Germany. Um, so many talented individuals that I wish would, would have had more recognition. Um, so, yeah, there's so many, so many, so many, so many, so many. I'll, I'll never forgive Cloudy. This goes back years, um, mm-hmm. back when he was training under Tony DeVito years ago. So he was training with this guy, Massive, too, and we're at a CZW show. Mm-hmm. And Joe Frazier, Smoking Joe Frazier's at the show in Philly. Oh, shit. Wow. He puts his hand out. They both kind of get in front of me, and the guy, Massive, goes to shake his hand. All of a sudden, Frazier turned around walked away. I never got to meet Joe Frazier because Cloudy uh, got in the way. Oh, that's not sad. <laughs> <laughs> that bastard. But what, uh, what I will, what I will say, and, and I'll just real quick. Um, yeah. The the first time that I, I wrestled Chikara, I wrestled Cloudy, and he says something to me that always stuck with me. So anytime I wrestled one of the extras, I pass this on. Um, when I was when we were coming with the match uh, backstage, uh, I was asking because obviously I figured he's a vet. I'll let him lead, whatever. So we we're, we're coming with the match and we basically go like, hey, you know, so what do you what do you want to do? And then Cloudy goes up to me and he goes, they already know me here. I don't have to do anything. It's your turn. You know, you show off. You do your thing. They don't know you. Show off. And I was right. like, huh, huh. That's that's very unselfish and that's awesome of you. Um, and and then we did a lot of cool stuff in that. And he was super awesome about all the ideas. Uh, the finish that we did, that um, was a little creation that I did on in California that you see it on the Indies every now and then. Um, it's a flipping tombstone pile driver that I came up with in California. Uh, and it was out of a, a screwed up head scissors. Um, but, but yeah, he was open to that finish and we never tried before. I just kind of ex- described it to him and he was all for it. So anytime that I, I wrestled any of the extras, I kind of went into it with that in mind. I was like, Regal knows who I am. Finley knows who I am. Arn Anderson knows who I am. They know what I can do. They're not here to see me. They're here to see you. So you show off. Do your thing. Do whatever the hell you want. Uh, I'm here for you. Um, so that was always my thing. Great advice. Yeah. So just also curious, what about some favorite movies? I love, I don't know if you've seen it, Usual Suspects, probably the greatest oh, yeah. movie of all time. Love that movie. Oh, great, great film. I don't know if you've, have you ever seen L.A. Confidential? That's another awesome movie. I, I know, I, I know it. Uh, with, uh, was that Kim Basinger? Kim Basinger? Yep, she's in it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, so many stars. I, I, I know I've movie. seen it. I know I've seen it, but I don't remember too much about it, but I know I've seen it. So many good stars. you got Kim Basinger, got Kevin Spacey, Danny DeVito. Yeah. Uh, that's from the Brown. like mid-90s, I believe. Yep. 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 Guy Pierce is in it, yep. Yep. Excellent. Yep. 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 Oh, yeah. No, like my, uh, my favorite ones... To me, and for like more of a psychological thing, it was would be like the Matrix. Um, I, I love Fight Club, uh, uh, Snatch, almost anything with Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, what about Seven? Uh, oh, that one's great too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, DiCaprio and, and Pitt are two of my favorite actors. Edward Norton is another one of my good ones. Um, Denzel. Um, uh, shoot. I know. I know. Once we were done with this, all they're all gonna pop up in my head. <laughs> Are you an old school movie fan? Like, do you love Apocalypse Now? Like classics like that? I love that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that one. Um, uh, that obviously, uh, Metal Gear. Uh, uh what's it called? The Metal Gear. Heavy <laughs> <Video> again. <laughs> Metal Gear is a great game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Full Metal <laughs> but, Jacket. 
that. <laughs> um, yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio, man. Awesome. What's it called? Uh, yeah, so like, uh, and Vincent D'Onofrio is another one of my favorite actors too, uh, especially from uh, in Law and Order, Criminal Intent. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, he's awesome in that. But yeah, no, so I, yeah, I, I can go. This, this is a whole other topic we can go yeah. on for like another hour or two. He said you watch a lot of movies. I'm like, oh, I wonder if, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what, what he likes and what he doesn't like. So do you have an absolute favorite movie? Mm. If if you, if there's movies that I will never go out of my way to like go and watch them. But if they're on, I'll usually stop and watch them like Joe Dirt. If it's on, I'll never go out of my way to watch it. But if right. it's on, I'll right. always stop and watch it. Joe Dirt's probably one of those movies. Um, Liar, Liar is another one that uh, if it's on, I'll watch it. I'll always watch it. Um, Jim Carrey is awesome. Uh, Robin Williams, anything Robin Williams is on. Patch Adams is awesome. Um, what was that movie in that Robin Williams was like this, uh, some serial killer? Uh, shoot. Oh, uh, it's not Amnesia. Uh-uh. But, oh, uh, oh, it was a movie. He was was he the film guy or was yeah, he... yeah, 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 yeah. Th- that's one of them. I know there's there's two there's two different ones. Twenty four hour photo. Yeah, twenty four hour photo. Twenty four hour photo photo. I think so. Yeah, and I know there's another one, but like I said, all this is going to come after we're done here. Yep. There's another great one too. Oh, man, I know Al Pacino's in it. Um, he's a serial killer, and Al Pacino has amnesia the whole time. Not amnesia. Uh, he can't sleep. Like um, insomnia. It, oh, it, it, there you go, insomnia. 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 Yeah, there's the movie. Yeah, insomnia. Yeah, yeah insomnia. Just awesome. But it's crazy to see Robin Williams playing like, because you don't realize it. Because Pacino's like kind of like nuts and losing it, but it's like, wow, this guy's been the killer the whole time. This guy's a yeah, psychopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, awesome movie. I love that movie. <laughs> oh man, so many good ones. So it's uh, gonna go back. I love Casablanca too. Just a random old school. I mean, going yeah. way back uh, movie. Yeah, and a, lot, it, a lot. Of, I think a lot of those movies will not sit well nowadays with uh, the PG or the PC era. Um, there's a lot of movies from back then that will not sit well nowadays. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> unfortunately. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately. So what's next for you? What, what do you got down the pike? What are you planning on doing? I know you're doing the training in Egypt, but what's next? Well, for now, this is my main focus. Uh, like I said, our main goal is to start running shows professionally and fully in October. So I have like another two months ago. Um, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're just finishing up on some stuff, but we're almost there. So that's the main goal. If If we can make this work, I know there's going to be a lot more work to be done here, and I might stay for next year if I have to. Um, I know I've been talks with South Korea, uh, promotion in South Korea to maybe go over there. And um, it's outside of Seoul, um, PWS. Uh, so if, if 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 the time comes, I'm going over there. Uh, in September, I'm going to Barcelona, Spain, to do a show and a, a full week of seminars. Um, so that should be fun. That's in September. No, September 18th is the show. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that in Lucha Libre Barcelona. And uh, and then for the meantime, like I said, this is my main focus. This is all I'm focusing on right now. Awesome stuff. Before I let you go, where can everybody follow you and find you? Social media-wise, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. So on Twitter, I'm still at RRWE. I still have the WWE in there because I don't want to lose the blue check mark. Uh, if you change their handle, you lose the check mark. So I don't want to yes, lose it. Yes, I noticed um, that, yeah. On, on, uh, on Instagram, you can find me on the letter J underscore rodriguez 818 um you can also check out uh you can get a cameo if you'd like we can do personalized uh, ring announcing um at rrwe on cameo and also my pro wrestling tea store is pro wrestling tees backslash Jesus rodriguez awesome stuff 
Ricardo Rodriguez, thank you so much uh, for all the time today. Really appreciate it. Great stuff. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.